Ava and Gracie, congratulations to you both. Can we give it up one more time for those two young ladies? We are so very proud of you both. And I want to extend an extra welcome and greetings to those of you that are visiting family for the holidays. Thanks for worshiping with us today and for lending your family members that live here to us. We really appreciate uh, having them a part of the family. Uh, and as Steve mentioned in that prayer, to those of you who set the Thanksgiving table this week and there was an empty chair, you were in our thoughts and our prayers. All of you. One thing I want to mention before we dive into the message this morning, something I'm really excited about. I uh, will use some slides to help tell the story. But every year we collect a Christmas tree offering. Next week, Christmas decorations will be up and we'll have an opportunity during our worship service for you to bring an offering down. And we use this money for a particular project, something special above and beyond that's a, a gift to the Forever family and to the community. And there's a, a dream that's been put on our heart over the past couple months of what this Christmas tree offering can go towards. And I want to tell you a little bit about it to prepare you for the collection of that offering through December. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it because I think you guys are up for the tax. So go to the next slide. And I want to tell you about a, a dream of a community resource hub, a facility, a place that would house our Great Stuff Thrift Store, which is currently right across the street, landlocked, a little small, a place for counseling services, a place for classes like English as second language, finance, career, and a place that people could come for rent, utilities, assistance, just kind of a, a hub for all of those things. And we're hoping and dreaming, could it be in a prominent location? Could it be easy access? Could there be room to grow? And might there be ministry partnerships and opportunities that we could venture into? Over the past couple months, Chisholm Trail Academy's board came to us, our pastoral team, and told us about a house that they have on their property. We'll go to the next slide. Uh, you may recognize the name, the Bothy family or the Bothy house. Uh, this house sits next to Chisholm Trail Academy, which you see on the map there. And it's been empty for the past couple years. There's been some renters come through, but it's been empty. And uh, Principal Mike, uh, board chair Doug Boyer said, hey, can we, can we do something with this house? We'd love to partner with the church to make this a ministry outpost. And we say, hey, yeah, let's, let's look at it. So we're partnering with CTA for the facility and we wanna renovate this house and turn it into everything I just described, a, a one-stop shop, so to speak, for any needs. Anyone, church member, community member, whatever, can come and receive assistance for what they're facing in life. Here's a kind of a rough outline of what the house might look like, kind of renovated, renovated and kind of in a 3D artwork. And here's the floor plan of what we're looking at doing. You see on the left side of the screen, a large open room for the thrift store itself, a sorting area kind of in the back. And then on the right side, one larger classroom that could seat 20 to 25 people. And then two smaller conference rooms that groups of two or three or one-on-one -on -one counseling can happen and an office. And we are incredibly excited about this project because it can impact our community in very real and meaningful ways. And you as a forever family have said, hey, community impact is important. We've gotten behind a food pantry. We've gotten behind counseling services, all these kinds of things. What we wanna do 
is make a place in a hub that people can come walk in and it's there and available. And here's how we can partner. We've been talking over the past couple months about contributing your time, your talents, and your treasure to the mission and ministry of the Keene Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this project in particular is gonna need some help with your treasure. So we'll go to the next one. Next slide. Our Christmas tree offering contributions this year will go towards a Kickstarter campaign, a kickstarting of that community resource hub renovation project. In order to get that started, we're looking for around $50,000. Total project, when we you know, pour concrete, renovate the house, make it everything, we're just dreaming loud, probably around $300,000. We're hoping to decrease that, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment. But to get the project started, we need about $50,000. It'll go towards the fixing the foundation. The foundation is, uh, has some issues that need to be fixed. And will also set us on our way to get the project started. We'd love to even start moving ground on this in January. And the way that you can help contribute is over the next several weeks in December, giving towards the Christmas tree offering. There'll be a moment in the, in the worship service that you can bring that forward, or you can give online, designate Christmas tree offering 2023. Well, you say, hey, treasure isn't enough. I wanna give that, but I want to be involved with this. Well, over the next couple of months, we're gonna have some opportunities for you to lay your hands on this project. Get your hands dirty. Uh, we'll have some work bees. Uh, with some demolition and pulling out carpet and removing walls and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we can teach you how to swing a sledgehammer, okay? So we'll get a group of us together, we'll probably give you some pizza, something like that, and have some opportunity for our, our community, our forever family, to be invested in this project. And I'm excited about what, what's to come. It's an incredible opportunity for Chisholm Trail Academy students to earn volunteer hours because it's right next to the academy. I envision students coming over every day to help sort the clothes and donations that we get in great stuff. I have a credible opportunity to partner with Southwestern Adventist University uh, for the counseling service, all kinds of stuff. We're, we're dreaming out loud. We want a place to plant this dream and to let it grow. And we need your help with that. So $50,000 is what we're looking for over, the, over December to get this project started. And then as we contribute our time, our talents, and our treasures, we can see this project to fruition. And I have a dream that maybe next fall, 2024, we can get this thing finished and open. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And we can only do that because of God working through you. So thank you for prayerfully considering over the next couple of weeks how you and your family can contribute to this. I, I ran some numbers. If 50 people gave $1,000, we'd be done, okay? If, get this, if 273 people gave $83.15, we're done. And there's probably five, 600 of us sitting in the room today. So you could just take care of it this afternoon, all right? But we want you to be invested in a part of this project and we wanna do it together. So you'll be hearing more over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna be recording some videos, sharing some pictures and casting the vision of what this project could be. But we're so thankful for your support in making ministry and mission happen in this community. Prince of Peace. That's what we're gonna be focusing on for the next four weeks. I'm excited because Pastor Anthony and I are collaborating on this series, preaching on the same text for four weeks 
both in Elevate and in Summit. And uh, we've been dreaming and scheming and talking about this. And it just, it's exciting to develop a sermon series together with someone else. So uh, if, you know, over the next couple of weeks, you know, as I'm, as I'm sharing the messages, those of you in Elevate, all kinds, if you have any, you know, questions or comments or challenges with the messages that we're bringing, my email is anthony at keenchurch.org. You can email me and just, Appreciate you, Anthony, and, and all that you're doing. <laughs> Luke chapter 2 is where we begin today. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We'll put it up on the screen. You've got it in your Bible in front of you. It's the Christmas story. I, we read this as, when I was a kid growing up. Every Christmas. Here, here it is. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken in all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. You know the story. The royal, or the royal decree goes out. Rome has caused everybody to shuffle back to your homes. Remember, Rome ruled the world. And it's in the beginning phases of what historians call the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. It's a time of relative peace. No war, no bloodshed. And a humble Jewish couple gets swallowed up in the movement of the world. Luke shows us how a global cause has a local effect. And we're introduced to Mary and Joseph. You remember, they received the dreams. The angel had come. Mary, you're going to carry the Messiah. Joseph, Mary is going to carry the Messiah. And they faithfully and patiently follow God where he leads. In spite of adversity, in spite of the situation that they found themselves in, they followed God where he was leading. And Luke very quickly sets the stage, tells us everything that's going on. And then in two verses, tells us this, Luke chapter two, verse six and seven reads this way. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. One sentence, two verses, the story of Christmas. And Luke just drops it in there. He doesn't spend a whole lot of time on it. There's no pomp and circumstance. Messiah is born. No big celebration, no royal welcome. It's simply God's answer to humanity's problem, born in a small town in the Judean hillside. That's it. It's the story of Christmas. We could invite the praise team back up, do the song, pray, and go. Because Messiah is here. That's everything that we need to know about the Christmas season, about this series, is that Messiah has come. The one who has come to save. And Mary, Joseph, and probably a handful of midwives and family members were the only ones to witness that momentous occasion. But only for a moment, because God wants to let the world know that Messiah 
has come. And Luke quickly moves us to another hillside. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Shepherds in the fields, tending sheep, and they're blinded by the messenger. The dark of night has been cast out, and the glory of the Lord is in their presence. And they're terribly afraid. <laughs> it's kind of the track record of Scripture, right? When, when God shows up, people tend to be frightened for a moment, and then he just simply says, don't fear, and then moves on. And they don't fear, and they move on. In that fear, the dark going to light is disorienting. And all throughout scripture, we see a repetition and a parallel over and over again that the glory of the Lord is associated with the very presence of God. God is, is, is there. He's in the field. He is with those shepherds. You remember the story, Moses on, on Mount Sinai, and he says, God, show me your glory. God says, I'll make my goodness pass in front of you. And he hides him in the cleft of the rock and he proclaims his name. He says, I'm faithful, I'm compassionate, I am loving. And God pulls back his hand and Moses looks and he gets to see God's back. Meanwhile, children of Israel down on the bottom of the mountain, scared out of their minds because of the lightning and the thunder and the clouds and they're wondering, is Moses even alive still? That's the power of the glory of God. We see it show up in the tabernacle when it's dedicated. You know, that tent in the desert that represented God with his people. God shows up in meaningful and wonderful ways. We see his presence and glory show up in Solomon's temple. But now, what was once reserved for tents and temples, God's glory has now shown around shepherds and sheep. The tale has been changed. No longer reserved for buildings, God's presence shows up to the people who are ready to receive. And I imagine kind of once the fear for a moment wore off, the shepherds are making this connection and they're looking around at God's presence and glory and says, are, you're not from around here, are you? Are, are you a little lost? Are you sure you picked the right hillside in the right place? You've come to tell us about this, shepherds and sheep? Like how Joel Green puts it, in the New International Commentary of the New Testament, this appearance of the divine glory is remarkable. Luke thus puts us on notice that the new world coming is a radically different shape than the former one. What used to define God's presence in the sacrificial system is now beginning to be undone because Messiah has come. The true lamb, the one who was slain from the foundation of the world has just moved into the neighborhood. And Luke continues, there's a message that these angels are to share with the shepherds, verses 10 and 11. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. There's good news. There's great joy. And by the way, the message is for all people. It's not just for the shepherds on the hill, not just for the Jews. 
It is for the Gentiles as well. Anyone who would hear the message, the message is for them. It's for all people. And that message is that Messiah, Savior, and Lord is here. There's a tradition that the Roman emperor, when they were, when they were crowned, they would be called Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Caesar Augustus, he would have been called that. It was a, a royal decree. People would worship, literally worship the Roman Empire, em, emperor. This angel comes to a little hillside in Judea and says, no, the rightful king has ascended the throne. Savior, Messiah, Lord, he's here. The best the world had to offer was not enough to meet humanity's deepest need. Because you see, when we are faced with great fear, God says, I'll trade you for great joy because I bring good news. We can trade our great fear for great joy because of the good news. The good news is Messiah has come. So whatever you're facing, whatever fear, whatever is in the back of your mind or the front of your mind or right, whatever it might be, you can trade that fear for joy because the answer to your deepest needs is found in Jesus himself. And it's on offer to us today. And the angel goes on to tell them, and by the way, this is how you're going to find the king. Luke 2, verse 12. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. No royal robes. No big throne. No, a simple, ordinary feeding trough. And a babe wrapped up like any other baby would be. It says that would be the sign. Joel Green again says this, the sign to the shepherds does not take the form of an extraordinary demonstration of divine power. The Savior Messiah Lord is wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a feeding trough for no king is at a different beginning of existence than to be nursed with care in swaddling clothes. Every king that has ever ascended any throne on this earth was born just like you and me. And that includes Jesus himself. That's why he can lay rightful claim to this earth. He is one of us. He is human. He was born just like any other king. And then the hillside breaks forth, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly there appeared with, a, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among people with whom he is well pleased. That verse, glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace among people with whom he is well pleased. We're spending the next four weeks in that verse. We're going to be unpacking that with you. What does it mean to have peace on earth among people? God is pleased. We're going to spend time over the next couple of weeks. In this story, now as the angels are proclaiming glory to God in the highest, the hills were alive with the sound of music before Julie Andrews ever sang. And they're singing glory to God in the highest. And what I find interesting is that this heavenly realm has been there the whole time, but they haven't shown up yet. And it's not until the angel, the messenger, tells the shepherds, this is where you'll find him, in the lowest of the low, in the little manger, born like anybody else. Heaven is on the edge of their seat in excitement. And when the sign is given, they say, yes, glory to God, because the baby has come. And if we were looking at it today, it's, it's another baby. It's an ordinary night 
What's so special about him? And heaven's like, just wait, just wait. Messiah has come. This explosive praise comes from the realm of life. And this glory that they give is ascribing praise, honor, worth, and value to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And get this, as Luke has upended the system for the presence of God, the lowly manger was now the most holy place because Jesus was there. And we wonder, why did Israel and the Jewish leaders miss this moment? Because if I was Caesar Augustus and a new king was in town, I'd want to be there at his inauguration, his coronation. Like, why did they miss it? Why did the kings and the rulers, they all miss the Messiah? And I think the reason for it is that it was just another ordinary night in Bethlehem. There wasn't anything spectacular or special about it other than Messiah had come. You see, in the manger, ordinary cradled extraordinary. Insignificance was the birthplace of significance. We stumble over the remarkable in the the mundane. It's the simple circumstances that often produce the profoundest moments. The times in life that we couldn't create or recreate if we tried, we just somehow find ourselves in them. It's the family meal that abrupts into a joke-telling contest. It's the sunset that catches you off guard on your drive home. We were traveling this past week and coming, coming back from the airport and uh, you know, Texas has amazing sunsets, right? It's kind of a claim to fame. I forget that sometimes. And the sun surprises me. We're coming over the hill in, in Midlothian and just boom, red, gold, and every color in between, just a beautiful tapestry that must have been painted by someone. Those moments are so simple, yet so profound. It's the walk in the park. It's the cozy cuddle. What stops you in your tracks in awe and wonder? Is it the big, grandiose moment that's been fabricated and all put together? Or is it the simple, seemingly happenstance that you find yourself falling into? Like how Ellen White puts it in the book, Desire of Ages, page 48. She says, commenting on this story, heaven and earth are no wider apart today than would shepherds listen to the angel song. The same closeness and proximity that heaven had to earth then is what heaven has to earth now. We can experience that presence. When my wife and I were honeymooning, we went on a road trip from Reno, Nevada to Las Vegas, Nevada, through the national parks on the eastern side of California. It is a beautiful, beautiful place on this earth. They actually have mountains. I know we forget what mountains look like sometimes, but they're actually mountains. And one of my favorite moments happened in the middle of Sequoia National Park. If you've ever been to Sequoia National Park, you know about the giants, the silent giants that rise from the earth towards heaven. And we approached this park a little bit differently. We did the touristy thing in Yosemite because it was packed anyway, but Sequoia was a little bit less trafficked. And we figured out that on one particular route that we could park the car at one end of the park and then hike from that end of the park to the other and ride the bus back to our car get off the beaten trail so we're not breathing on the window as we're looking out at the sequoias. So we park our car, we get out, we 
go start hiking on the trail. We'd been married for like five days. We're madly in love. It was a beautiful moment. And we get out in the middle of this trail and there is literally no one around us. We're out in the middle of nature and we find this grove of trees tucked away in the middle of the park. And it opened up, there's nothing on the floor. All the trees are pointing heavenward. There's probably 40 or 50 of them, hundreds of feet into the air. And it was such a special moment that we had just happened to find. Those trees somehow were coursing with life. It was sacred space. I almost wanted to take my shoes off. It was sacred space. And in that moment, we reveled in God's creation of these giant trees rising from earth to heaven. And in that moment, kind of just an ordinary hike through a park turned extraordinary because we'd taken some time to just find ourselves in the middle of our trip. And God showed up in, this mo- in that moment. It was such a special moment. As we journey to the Christmas story over the next several weeks, my hope and prayer is that you will come to the manger and admire it for its ordinariness. Is that a word? Can we make that up? We'll just coin it today. It's insignificance. It's just another ordinary night on a Judean, in a Judean town. But that ordinary night, that ordinary moment would revolutionize and change the world as we know it. So as we approach the manger over the next couple of weeks, see its ordinariness, but marvel at the extraordinary moment of a God in heaven who says humanity is worth my time and my life. And I will do anything to redeem them back. It's the story of Christmas. Christ has come. Father, your goodness is running after us. And it's been happening for all of eternity, but it came especially close that ordinary night in the Judean countryside. God, thank you that you use ordinary and mundane things to bring about extraordinary and significance. Lord, I pray that as we approach the manger during this season, and it reminds us of where this story all began, God, I ultimately desire that we would see your face that we would experience your glory like we never have before. And that we'd know your presence. And that your presence would bring us life. God, thank you for everything. We love you and we look forward to seeing you soon. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Go today in grace and in peace.